In the late 90s and early 2000s, there was a very important choice that one had to make. Were you Team NSYNC or Team Backstreet Boys? This battle of the boy bands, built upon New Kids on the Block, Menudo, and one could even argue acts all the way back to the Jackson 5 and the Osmonds. However, the success of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC ushered a whole new surge of popularity for this genre of sugary love songs marketed to young women, and members from each group went on to start their own successful music careers. If you want to know which team I was on, well, my sister gravitated toward the Backstreet Boys, so by extension I guess you could say I did too. They are the only boy band to have their first nine albums reach the top ten on the Billboard 200, and their career spans from 1993 all the way to the present day, where they have continued to see success with new albums, music videos, and even tours. But today, we're discussing their humble beginnings with their self-titled debut album, Backstreet Boys. Welcome back to Any Album You Like, the podcast where I'm repeatedly subjected to watching The Wizard of Oz synced up to different albums. I'm your host, Ben Mooney, and on today's episode, we have Aaron King from Unabashedly Obsessed. Welcome, Aaron. Hello. Thank you for having me. And I love that you, um, you, you say that you're repeatedly subjected to this like you didn't <laughs> do this to yourself. I mean, it's it's sort of a, you know, 50-50 split, right? I decide this is a thing I'm going to do, but then you are in complete control over what album I have to watch it to. So, That's you know, true. in that sense, I am subjected. That That is true. And I'm only a little bit sorry for picking the album that I picked. <laughs> I mean... And when I say a little bit, I mean like a tiny bit, only because we had to listen to it almost all the way through three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you you picked Backstreet Boys self-titled. I sure did. <laughs> and tell me a bit about why you picked the Backstreet Boys self-titled album. Well, I originally did it as a joke because I didn't think that you were actually going to decide that that was a good idea and that you wanted to do it. <laughs> so then when you were like, hey, I picked you, you get to be on the show. I was like, oh, well, OK, I guess <laughs> I guess we're going to do this then. I mean, like, I don't know. I thought it would just be weird. I didn't. I, I will say, I mean, no, no major spoilers yet, but it worked better than I thought it would. <laughs> OK. I had very low expectations going in, and I actually did find some places to take notes. So, you know, there's that. Okay. Yeah, that does sort of dovetail into my second question, which is, of course, what did you expect when going into this? You know, if you thought it was going to be good or if you thought it was just going to be an excuse to listen to Backstreet Boys self-titled a couple of times. Yeah, I kind of, I figured it would either be awesome or horrible. I didn't think there'd be much middle ground. Okay. I feel like it actually did kind of hit the middle ground that I didn't think it would, though. Like, there were some times where I was like, okay, I can, I could kind of work with this. And there were other times where I was like, oh, this is 
just not working for me at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it's, you know, I, I've been a Backstreet Boys fan since this album came out in the U.S. back in 1997, um, which is the version that we listened to. Not yeah, the 1998 re-release <laughs> that we should t- we should tell the folks at home about that story. Just trying to figure out which version of this album we were going to listen to because originally I had I, so I have I've got the disc that I got as a birth for like my 13th birthday, um, and I had ripped it to iTunes ages and ages ago, and so I had that loaded up on my phone and it said 12 tracks. So I told you there's 12 tracks and you were like, but Wikipedia says 11 or are you doing the 98 re-release? Yeah. So then we yeah. both had to research <laughs> and it turns out I have the, I've got the album with the original 97 album with the 11 tracks, but I also somehow have a copy of everybody parentheses backstreets back, which was on the 98 re-release, which is not the version of the disc that I have. So I don't know why that how that ended up in my iTunes saying yeah. that it was on this album. It was it was a whole weird like the Backstreet Boys somehow managed to be the most confusing <laughs> album <laughs> to do for this podcast yet. Sorry. Florence and the Machine had has a bunch of like bonus uh versions but they are very clearly labeled as exactly what's on what. This was like okay, first of all, I raised the question to you, literally, uh, I don't know, about four hours before I, I watched this, I was like, okay, now wait a minute. Because Wikipedia says that there's a 1996 version, and then a 1997 version, and then a 1998 reissue of the 97 version. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is even going on here with this Backstreet Boys? Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at their discography, it lists Backstreet Boys the the as the album title for two different albums uh-huh I'm like i don't even what is going on with this and so i we were both just f- frantically googling and typing back and forth like oh shit i don't know which one wh- which one do i have i don't you know which one does google play have which one does just back and forth right my understanding and this is from me trying to remember what i learned when i went through a real obsessive backstreet boys phase freshman year of high school I think the 96 version was the one that they released that made it real big in Germany. Okay. And then the 97 version is when they were like, okay, hey, we're big hits in Germany. Let's try to be big hits in the U.S. too. And so it's basic. I think the idea was that they were just releasing a U.S. edition of the album that got big in Germany. I don't know if the 96 version was ever available here or if they somehow went straight to germany i can't remember it's it's been a very long time since that phase of my life has been relevant to anything um (laughs) and and now um much like the song title uh backstreet's back in your life all right are yeah i backstreet came back into my life eight ish years ago i mean they never really well no they did kind of leave my life like i have um i have the self-titled and i have millennium and I have burned copies of their other ones that a friend gave me that I don't ever really listen to. Okay. There are like a couple of the singles that I have, you know, loaded up on my phone, but I don't listen to the albums straight through. But about, I guess it was, it was about eight years ago. Um, they came, they used to come to, I live in Northern Virginia and they used to come to 
the Wolf Trap Center for the Arts just all the time, apparently. And I managed to catch them with my friend Emma on the last at doing the last concert that they did at Wolf Trap before they did their tour with New Kids on the Block. So (laughs) I forgot that they did that. Yeah. So Emma and I went to see them at Wolf Trap. And I only remember it was about eight years ago because like two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with my now seven year old. But we went back to see them on their New Kids tour at the Verizon Center. And that was an interesting concert because I never listened to the New Kids. I don't know how I managed to miss that window of (laughs) pop culture, but I could not sing even the chorus of a New Kids song if my life depended on it. So half of that concert was great. The other half, (laughs) the New Kids on the block were on the stage. (laughs) And I'm sure it was great, but I was completely out of my element for that. See, now I will confess that because of how old my older sister is and how it uh how that timing worked out just perfectly she was a very very big new kids on the block fan Mm -hmm. um you know her the first concert she ever went to and so i will admit that growing up i listened to a hell of a lot of new kids on the block so um and then of course how i missed it yeah i mean they were all over the place man they had a uh uh, they had like a cartoon, I think, yeah, like, like like a a legit cartoon show about their adventures on the road, and like I mean they were huge. I don't do not know how you missed them. I, mean, I listened I was, to the fucking new kids on. I the mean, block. I was aware of their existence. The girl who lived next door, who was my age, was really into them, but I don't remember ever hearing them. Now I grew up listening exclusively to the oldies station that my parents would listen to okay. in the car. Like, my first concert was Peter, Paul, and Mary, because okay. my parents yeah, sure. brought me with them to, ironically, Wolf Trap, um, <laughs> to see Peter, Paul, and Mary. I guess, I don't know, I must have just somehow missed the pop culture window that they were in, because the first real pop culture thing I remember being exposed to was in fifth grade. One of my friends brought her Walkman on the bus on a field trip, and <laughs> okay. she had the cassette of Ace of Bases, The Sign. Oh, dang. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that album. And I made my I made my mom take me to whatever store you bought cassettes at. I don't even <laughs> remember. It wasn't like a music store. It was like, what was Target in the early 90s? Like, whatever the early I mean, 90s equivalent targets. of Target. We- yeah, not ours. I honestly, I think it may have been like James Way. Which doesn't even exist anymore. I've never even heard of that. That okay. may have been a regional one. I feel like it was like one of those, you know, kind of box stores like a Target or a Walmart. But I remember because we didn't get a Target in my town until I was in late high school. Oh, OK. We had a Walmart, but I don't feel like the Walmart showed up until I was in middle school. I don't remember ever shopping there as a kid. So I don't know where I got my copy of Ace of Bases the Sign, but that was the first music that I bought myself. Okay. And that was the first like pop culture music that I remember. And I feel like New Kids was a little yeah, before that. New Kids was as a, a little before that. Um I mean New Kids was real early 90s. Yeah. Um, How old is your sister? 
Uh, she is a couple years older than me, so she is. I want to say thirty five. Okay, so she, so she's my, you know, at, at least ballpark my age. I'm thirty five. Although, don't put that in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can put it in the recording. It's I, fine. I will edit in a computer <laughs> voice going. 29. 27. <laughs> I've been telling people I'm turning 27 for the past four years. So, nice. yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, she, you know, she's my age. I think it was honestly just that I didn't, like, I didn't have anybody to expose me to it. Yeah, I that didn't makes have a lot any of older sense. siblings. The girl next door was obsessed with them, but she and I weren't friends. Like, I remember her talking about them at the bus stop and like wearing new kids on the block t-shirts but we didn't hang out like we had nothing in common we just never i never spent any time with her except at the bus stop so i think i just didn't have anybody to expose me to it so somehow i completely missed new kids on the block that's wild to me because my sister was just all about new kids on the block i know i it's embarrassing a little bit that i managed to completely miss that entire timeline of American pop culture. But I will say that I'm glad that you picked Backstreet Boys for this because when the Backstreet Boys in sync feud, if you can call, I mean, the fans were, you know, you were one or the other. Yeah. My sister was definitely um, Backstreet Boys. So again, you know, I mean, I, I, by this point in my life, I had sort of found my own uh, musical taste. Right. Whereas beforehand, it was basically like I would listen to whatever my sister and my parents would listen to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, odd mishmash of oldies, country, Metallica, and boy bands. That is a really, sister- that is an odd mishmash. You are correct. <laughs> People don't believe me when I'm like, oh, yeah, I like a little bit of everything. Because, like, look at what I was, you know, raised on. Yeah. But, yeah, my sister was definitely Backstreet Boys. So I'm way more familiar than uh, with Backstreet Boys than I am with NSYNC. With that said, I did not know most of these tracks, to be honest. This one did not have as many singles. Or it did, but they weren't... Quit Playing Games With My Heart is the only one that I ever remember hearing on the radio. Yeah, that's that's like the one, I think... uh, That one and As Long As You Love Me, I think, were the only two where I was like, oh yeah, no, I totally know this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see at this point, like I've ha- I've had the album since Quit Playing Games with My Heart was on the radio, so I don't remember when uh, when and where I heard all of the songs. But yeah, this one didn't have nearly as many like big singles as Millennium did. With all that, <laughs> what let's let's talk a little bit about how this did or did not sync up with uh, the Wizard of Oz because yeah. I gotta say this was maybe one of the weirder ones that I've done. Yeah, so this was like the eighth time you said that you yeah, watched this, this is, movie this synced is to an number album. Number eight. How, how's your sanity doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so y- you know how sort of like when you go to work and it's just like it's a thing that you do, uh huh, and you just you go and you clock in and then you do it and then you clock out. And uh, your significant other is like, how was your day? And you're just like, you don't even know what to say to that at this point. Yep. That's where I'm hitting with The Wizard of Oz now. Yeah. Where a couple of times ago, I was like, oh, God, I'm still doing this. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, this is just my life. Yep. So I've settled into it to some degree. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I had to uh, decline an invitation to join a one-shot D&D game uh, last night 
because, as I told them, I have to watch The Wizard of Oz synced up to the Backstreet Boys self-titled album because podcasting has made my life very, very strange. And they were like, okay, well, how about tomorrow then? We could do it tomorrow. And I was like, well, tomorrow I'm recording the podcast for which I had to watch The Wizard of Oz synced up to the Backstreet Boys. So how's Wednesday? But yeah, it, you know, so one thing that's, I haven't seen The Wizard of Oz since probably high school. Okay. Maybe college. I mean, I watched it a lot when I was a kid, but it's been a really long time. So I had almost entirely forgotten all of the black and white stuff after she falls in the pig pen. Like, I knew that there was a cyclone, but I completely forgot about the part where she goes (laughs) and tries to join up with some traveling, very clearly um, not legit fortune teller. That she just, like, literally just met. She's like, oh, hey, mister, can I come with you? Dorothy, what are you doing? I mean, it was 1939. Uh, You know, they didn't teach stranger danger yet, I guess. Um, I I don't really know. Um, But yeah, I I feel like most of my guests so far have really had that same sort of thought where it's like, man, you think you really know the Wizard of Oz but you haven't seen it in years and years and years. And there are mm-hmm. entire scenes that people have forgotten, yeah. me included. There there are definitely parts that I am now unfortunately intimately familiar with <laughs> that yeah. until I started this, I was like, shit, I forgot about this whole part. Yeah, I completely forgot about the part where they dress up as the witches like guards and rescue Dorothy, <laughs> which is kind of like the climax of the entire movie. I completely yeah. forgot about all of that. I just remembered that they went to the castle and threw water on her. <laughs> I think just like thinking they just walk in and just like, bam, water. Yeah. All right, I'm out. Well, and I wonder if it's because I have more recently seen, read and listened to Wicked. So my timeline for The Wizard of Oz is like all messed up now because I'm remembering so much of it from the witch's point of view. I don't know. I have, I, I mean, the, I have no real good excuse for why I forgot some of the really important parts of this movie, but I did. No, I mean, every everybody has, though. That's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I've mentioned it on this show a couple of times now, but, you know, films in 1939 had a very different uh, pacing to them. Yes. And so this movie would have been a lot shorter if filmed today. Mm-hmm. Just because the amount of stuff that that is totally, um, you know, stuff that you can just leave on the cutting room floor and, you know, tighter, quicker edits. And so when you're watching it as a kid, it's like, okay, you hit the major important points. She goes to Oz. Uh, You know, there's a tornado and it takes her to Oz. Uh, She meets the good witch. She meets the bad witch. They sing about how she's dead. She meets three strangers they Who go she off immediately and kill the becomes witch. best friends with and declares them the best <laughs> friends that anybody could ever have. Literally, like she says that to the scarecrow and the tin man. Yeah, I had where I had a note about it. I'm trying to find it now. She says, You're the best friends anybody Yeah, it was right after they met the Tin Man. You're the best friends anybody ever had. And I wrote down, Honey, you've known the scarecrow for like two hours and the tin man for two <laughs> minutes. Like Right. It's literally I, the same scene that she meets the Tin Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. I They really, they nobody ever taught this 
girl stranger danger. I also I no. keep having a hard time thinking of her as being 16. I know she is and I know that Judy Garland was a teenager when she made the movie, but in my head she's just a really immature 23-year-old. <laughs> like like I mean maybe not 23. She's like a junior in college and just has been com- like she she like went to community college for the first two years and now she's transferred into a university and she's living on her own for the first time and just has no idea how the real world works okay no i i can totally buy that that's kind of my headcanon for dorothy because she just really lucked out that none of the people she met bore her any ill will except for the wicked witch it's true. Also, I'm going to say that I am totally fine with accepting the headcanon that she is early 20s because I will say the number of times she got very suggestive glances in this yes. thanks to the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Because, I mean, they're they're in there already, especially the Tin Man. Yes, His eyes you. are just like. I have so many notes about that. And we can wait till we get there or we can talk about it right now. But oh, let's man, talk about it right now. I have done searches for fan fiction on this, wondering if anybody else had their head in the same space that I do. Weirdly, I didn't find any. I feel like that kind of surprises me considering this is, I think, the fourth or fifth time fan fiction has come up. On this very podcast. Yeah. I mean, it might just... I was only looking on Archive of Our Own, so it could be that it's out on fanfiction.net or somewhere else. But there are a lot of things... There, are, I, I mean, I got lots and lots of results tagged Wizard of Oz, but it was... It seems like there are a lot of, like, crossover fictions where somebody will, like, drop Dorothy into a completely different story or drop, compl- like, characters from a totally different fandom into Oz. So huh, okay. I didn't find anything that was, like... The Wizard of Oz, but sexy, which is <laughs> what I was really expecting to find because the Internet is a vast, vast place. But yeah, I feel like I don't know. There were a lot of moments where the Tin Man specifically was like giving her a look. Yes. Oh, also, I don't recommend Googling the Wizard of Oz, but sexy. Oh, did um, you just do that? Why would you do I that? Did, I did, because <laughs> I had to do it. You put that into my head. and Well, now I need to Google the Wizard of Oz, but sexy. Or do you just want to tell me what I will find? I mean, you can sort of imagine. I'm imagining it. a lot of costumes, like Halloween costumes. It's It's a lot of Halloween costumes and a lot of drawings. Of what I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. 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 Sure is. So, but no, the the Tin Man's, like, very come-hither eyes have been a thing since episode one. However, it really pops off with the Backstreet Boys as the soundtrack um let's see specifically when, we meet him song? right as the song if you want it to be good girl get yourself oh, a yeah. bad boy comes on oh, so she meets no. the heartless tin man <laughs> who depending on how you want to look at it he has no heart he's like the ultimate bad boy he's the ultimate bad boy uh-huh and she meets him right when that song comes on and i personally always liked the tin man more than the scarecrow And I actually, so when I was a kid, we had the VHS tape of The Wizard of Oz, and it was like the 50th 
anniversary's 75th anniversary. I can't math, but okay. it was like an anniversary edition that came with this booklet that told you all about the making of. And I used to read through that because I was a huge nerd even as a child. And Excellent. You're in good company. It had this whole um, like special features at the end of the tape that was all. And there was this whole section about the Tin Man and how Buddy Ebsen had originally been cast as the Tin Man, but he got sick because he was allergic to the silver makeup. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common knowledge. What I don't know if it is common knowledge or if I just remember this because I watched that and read the book so many times. But Ray Bolger, who played the Scarecrow, was originally cast as the Tin Man and convinced the studio that he would be better as the Scarecrow. So the only reason Buddy Ebsen got sick is because Ray Bolger didn't want to play the Tin Man. And I have held a little bit of like an irrational (laughs) dislike for Ray Bolger since childhood for that reason. Okay. Because I feel like it's really unfair for him to be like, you know what? I don't want the role you gave me. I want to I want to switch roles with Buddy. And they're like, okay, well, you could switch roles with Buddy. And then Buddy gets really sick and can't do the movie. That just seems unfair. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I totally get it. But that is also the weirdest childhood (laughs) grudge. I know. To hang on to into adulthood. I know. I know. I never claimed to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I understand that that is a very bizarre thing. But every time I watch this movie, like, don't get me wrong. Jack Haley did a great job as the Tin Man. Come hither eyes and everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm sure Buddy Ebsen would have done a great job, too. But, like, the fact that, I don't know, if I was Buddy Ebsen, I'd be pretty pissed if I got cast as the Scarecrow, and then the other guy is like, hey, we should switch parts, and the studio says, sure, and then I end up not being able to do the movie because I'm in the hospital with silver poisoning. Uh Uh-huh. I would be mad. Like I said, I think that's pretty legit. It is just, I, I, I admit, it is a really strange <laughs> grudge to hang on to for the better part of 30 years, <laughs> given that I have absolutely no stake in this. I do think if you want it to be good, girl, get yourself a bad boy, which first of all is quite the title. It really is. I think, that, like, I literally have a note where I wrote, this is maybe the best part yet, because it was so good. His his come hither eyes, uh-huh. and then he's like doing a weird dance to it and yep. i was just uh i was just dying of over how perfect this was and again because like you said he's without the heart he is the ultimate bad boy right i mean even though he's arguably the sweetest of all of them mm-hmm. I've, you know he's like the bad boy with a heart of gold or a, or a heart of, or a heart of a clock because mm-hmm. you know that's what he ends up with at the end is a really ugly clock But yeah, I will say I do think it's kind of interesting that despite the fact that he's supposedly the one without a heart, you're right. He is kind of the sweetest one out of everybody. Yeah. Like the scarecrow's just kind of doofy and the lion is just really terrified all the time. And the tin man, like, you know, he he cries over a lot of things. You know, he he cries just over kind of everything. Yeah, he kind of (laughs) does. Yeah. Like the scarecrow is... I mean, I realize it's like the whole point, but he's kind of a know-it-all. And he get like, I liked him as a kid because, you know, he was silly and goofy. But the older I get, I mean, even watching it as a teenager, I remember being kind of annoyed by him. I'm like, like, and part of it is, you know, like the pacing of the movie. And, you know, because it's an older movie, the way they deliver the lines is very different than they would if this was being filmed now. 
But I feel like he hit the know-it-all thing really hard. And there were some times where I was like, okay, but you don't have to point that out. <laughs> like, we get it. We get it. You're smart. You're fine. Just stop. Mm-hmm. But Although I don't know. Sometimes the people who know the least are the ones who march into a room and say, I know exactly what to do. So that's you know, true. That's also a possibility. Well, and I think that was a point that the wizard made, which is that plenty of people without brains you know, go on to have to, you know, think they have great ideas or whatever. I don't right. remember the it's exact line. It's like this line, movie but... is well written or something. I know. Like maybe, you know, I'm I'm surprised this movie just never took off to become a, a classic. So. I know. I know. I feel like more people should watch this. Did you ever read the books? I have not, actually. We talked about them a bit in my um, history class. Because a lot of people think it was an an allegory to the United States switching to just the gold standard instead of the gold and silver standard, or maybe have that backwards. Um, So we talked about sort of the differences, but we've never, I never actually read the book itself. Okay. Did you see the movie Return to Oz? I think so, but it has been a very long time. (laughs) That movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like that whole scene where. A Mombi, I think, was the the witch's name. She's like, got that whole room full of heads. Oh, still gives me the willies. <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't read The Wizard of Oz. And I don't think I read Return to Oz. But I read some of the other ones in the series. Okay. And the Scarecrow was very clearly the favorite. Like, he makes an appearance in all of the books. And I think that the Tin Man and the Lion don't necessarily show up in every story after this. So I like, I I don't know. I I don't really know where I was going with that, but I feel like, I feel like the movie sets you up to like, it's, it sets it up with the, the scarecrow as being like the main of the main guy of the three, like the trio. He's like the leader. And it's partly because of his know-it-all thing. But I feel like the Tin Man and the Lion, the Lion especially, kind of get the the short end of the stick there. Okay. Because, you know, the Lion is the last one to meet her, and he's just kind of comedic effect. Yeah, he kind of exists to just be afraid of everything and sort of make goofy faces. And he does he does get his own, uh, his entire own second song, which is, you know, not most... Most of the other people don't get that. Um, And I will say, because this has been an ongoing thing in this podcast, when he sings If I Were King of the Forest, it has so far been a disappointment almost every time. Yeah, I remember it being better when I was a kid. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, just in general, I don't care for the song itself. But also in this podcast, syncing things up to it has always been garbage. Yeah, what Um, synced up to it this time? This this was... It was anywhere for you. Yeah, and that worked strangely well because he kept pointing off into the distance and pointing at himself. And it's this like romantic gesture of him like saying, you know, he'll he'll go to the ends of the earth for you. And I was like, okay, all right, Lion, you finally found it. Backstreet Boys was your jam out of all things. <laughs> finally found it. Weird, but you know, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was just strangely good. I was not expecting anything because it's been pretty much garbage for everything. But now did was that so he gets that song, but he didn't get an if I only had some courage song. 
Uh, no, he gets um, if I only had the noive. Oh, that's right. It's sort of it's sort of shorter, I think, yeah. than the other two actually get. Why don't I remember? I don't remember. I, I I may have gone into like a weird like fever dream Backstreet Boys <laughs> state at that point. You know? Okay, so in in like the in the uh, so you want to be a guest on this podcast uh, sheet that you sent me. You had said, said that, and I'm assuming this comes from people syncing it up to Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. It's suggested that you either mute or turn the volume way down and have right. subtitles and then mostly listen to the album. Mm-hmm. I started out trying to do that and I was getting really annoyed because I've listened to this album so much more than I've watched this movie <laughs> that I was like, right, but I know I know the songs. I don't rem- I need I need the dialogue of the movie. Okay. So I cranked the volume on the movie way up and had the volume on the songs turned comparatively lower. Interesting. I did okay. have subtitles on just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. But for me, that worked better. I have this, I've got this weird thing where if music is on, I have a hard time focusing on anything else, which is why I can't listen to music when I work. Okay. Um, and like it's it's been a problem. Like my daughter will want to listen to music in the car, like on the way home from gymnastics, but she'll also want to talk to me at the same time, and I can't do both. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, but we can either listen to Taylor Swift or we can have a conversation. But I can't like my brain can't process both at the same time. So going into this, I was a little apprehensive. Okay. But I think the fact that I know both of them fairly well, I was able to kind of tune out one or the other at any given moment i don't know that i necessarily got the full experience that uh somebody who is able to multitask (laughs) um auditory medium would have but yeah well i also got to say that on my part it was a little bit difficult because so for for the albums that i have not been as familiar with Uh to try to make sure i know what is actually being sung right I I mean I'm I'm really bad at at picking up on lyrics anyways. So if it's something that I'm not familiar with, I'm I try to have the lyrics up. And so I've been using a site where when you look it up, you know, it has all the other songs on the album. Oh, okay. So that when the next one comes up, I could just click on that. Well, along with the same fucking bullshit <laughs> with the I 70 different going. damn versions of this album. It kept giving me the wrong album. So I was like, oh, shit, what's the next song? I got to find that. And so I was like trying to balance all of that. Oh, so no. I also was having some difficulty with this. So it wasn't just you. OK. Um, <laughs> totally different reasons. Yep. But um, yeah, who would have thought the Backstreet Boys would have made made my life so difficult? I know. Like you think that they're just like fun, easy pop music. But no, <laughs> they're not. There's layers. Oh, speaking of of fun pop music, I literally took the note in all caps, bolded, the Backstreet Boys love key changes. Oh, do they? Yeah, because uh, like every other song, it's like right toward uh, that two thirds of the way through, the pitch changes up uh, by a little bit. And I'm just like, okay, like. This this is I mean I was I was watching with friend of the podcast Tema and she was like yeah that was just kind of a thing in the nineties. See I don't know enough about music to like I, I honestly don't really even know what a key change is because I'm so musically illiterate. But 
so like I don't I don't even notice that kind of thing. Yeah, see, I um, I've been watching a lot of uh, music theory uh, YouTube channels as of late. So I have been just like, I mean, I I as a side anecdote, I totally ruined the song "Living on a Prayer" for a friend of mine. Don't tell me. Is it going to ruin it for me? Or does it only ruin it for people who know what you're talking about when you say music stuff? It'll ruin it for maybe people who know what key changes are. I don't know what key changes are, so keep talking. Perfect. All right. (laughs) So I totally ruined it because I was like, I think that the key change in Living on a Prayer is the most awkward key change in all of pop uh, or like rock music. And... uh, a friend of mine was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then from that day forward, every time the key change happened, she's like, God damn it, Ben. I just like I would get random tweets out of nowhere. Just like <laughs> fucking key change and fucking uh, living on a prayer. Aww. Thanks, Ben. What, and I'm like, where is the cool. key change in that song? So I can go listen, decide if I want to go listen to it <laughs> after this. <laughs> well, so the, the key change is just where... Um, where when you're listening, everything like the the singing and the instruments and everything just kind of raise up in pitch. Okay. So like you know you're singing here like whoa, living on a prayer, and then like it goes up to like whoa. We're okay. At. Like it just it just everything raises up, and I apologize for everybody who just had to listen <laughs> to me sing, you included. But um, just where everything kind of lifts up, um, pitch wise. Okay. And um, I don't know why living on a prayer is like the one that I'm just like, whoa, fucking awkward key change. No, I can see that, though, because that's the point where when I'm singing along, I never like I mean, I, I'm I'm not a singer at all anyway. Like, you you know, you just apologize to everybody. There's a reason I'm not <laughs> singing along with you. Um, but like that must be the point where all of a sudden my voice is like, what are you doing? Why yep, are you trying to make be... me do this? That would be the key change. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I learned something today. Yeah. See, there we go. You um, might have just ruined that song for me. Thanks a lot. I don't think I know enough about music for you to have ruined <laughs> that song. Also, I love Bon Jovi so much that I don't think you could ruin Bon Jovi for me. Okay. Uh, well, that's good because I, I definitely ruined that song for a friend of mine. Oh. So, you know, I I still I still feel a little bit bad about it, actually. It was one of her favorite songs. Oh, no. Like it was on it was on like some Pandora mix station that she had. And so it came up a lot. She's like, yeah, this is my jam. And then now it's just ruined. So that sucks. Yep. I'm a great friend. You sure are. (laughs) I had a couple notes um, that I took throughout about like there were a couple other spots where it seemed like the way it synced up kind of worked for me. So the. You know, old movies always have the credits at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so We've Got It Going On is the opening song on <laughs> this album. And so it played for the duration of the credits, which mm-hmm. kind of worked for me. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good uh, way to start The Wizard of Oz, actually. Yeah, and there's this little, um, like this dedication screen right before the movie proper starts. And the entire... Uh, so. In the song, AJ's got this little, it's not like a rap breakdown, but it's like the 90s boy band equivalent of a rap breakdown (laughs) Um, Uh that ran the duration of that dedication screen. Like it started right when that screen came on and went until that screen came off. 
And I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty cool how that synced up. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I, th- I think there was some pretty good stuff like that. Um, a lot of it was kind of tough to put into notes. There was just kind of a lot going on, yeah. I think. This was this one was interesting in that there wasn't a ton of stuff where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this just happened and they're singing about this. Yeah. Um, and that totally, you know, because in, in uh, Dark Side of Oz, uh, the whole point is that, like, what's going on in the scene is supposed to like really make sense with what the lyrics are saying. And considering that most of this album was just like, Hey girl, what's up? Yeah. Like a lot of it didn't work. I do feel like it sort of changes the movie into a, like everybody wants to, to get in Dorothy's pants, uh-huh. which is why I'm super okay with the head cannon that she is early twenties in this and not 16. Yes. That helps a lot. Yes. Um, I think in the books, she was like a kid kid. She was she was 12, I think. Oh, was uh, we she? I didn't know like she was even that episode. old. Yeah. I was thinking she was more like nine. Um, but, yeah, uh, you but, might be right about that. But the books are like there's no there isn't like the subtext that there is in the movie because you don't get Jack Haley making eyes at her and. You know, her like putting her hand on the scarecrow's arm just so and all those things. Um, well, there was there was a originally um, in the script, there was a whole subplot where Dorothy's character is supposed to be sort of not like straight up romantically linked, but like some sort of like love side story with hunk the guy who is the the scarecrow equivalent in kansas okay which is why at the end she's like and i'll miss you most of all it's because like they're supposed to have this connection okay and so there was actually like romantic interests in this original movie and then all of that got scrapped but that line still got stuck in it and so you know some people are like oh yeah it's weird that like all she has to say is yeah i'm gonna miss this guy most like Fuck these other two guys. Yeah. I mean, I've always chalked that up to he was the one that she met first. And so she's known him the longest. But I, I did. Did you find out why they scrapped that subplot? Was it because they cast 16 year old Judy Garland and Ray Bolger, who was clearly not 16? Like, was Hunk supposed to be like another teenager? You know, I'm not actually sure exactly why they scrapped it. Um, I, I think it was all in the thing I was reading, and I was just like, eh, whatever, I don't care. I'm here for the saucy details. <laughs> um, and cutting it out isn't saucy, so That's I, don't, true. I don't know. Because I can see if instead of being got, like, 30-year-old guys, if all of those farmhands were, like, the the sons and nephews from the you know like the the town and they just came out to work on the gales farm on the weekends and you mm-hmm. know get a get a peek at you know cute dorothy like i can see that side plot working really well oh yeah absolutely and i kind of want to like reheadcanon myself now to where that is the case because i can I mean, I don't know. I read a lot of romance novels and stuff, so this is like <laughs> that 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 whole thing's right up my alley. That works for me a lot. Was there anything else specific that you noticed? Um I mean, I mostly like I said, uh most of what I noticed in this was just sort of 
uh, it it really recontextualizes this movie to like even the Wicked Witch is like, "Sup, Dorothy? How's it going?" A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I have that. So the song "Hey Mister DJ" comes on right when she gets to Oz, which is interesting because prior to that we've had like a bunch of love ballads, and then this like right. upbeat dancey number comes in right when she gets to Colorland, which I thought was interesting timing. Um, yeah, it was a good it was a good musical cue, I think. And then I have, I have a note about are you a good witch or a bad witch? And then she, Glinda immediately follows with only bad witches are ugly, which kind of makes you wonder what the munchkins like. What what does that say about what Dorothy looks like if they can't <laughs> tell if she's a good witch or a bad witch? And then the next. Oh, snap. I never thought about that. I had never noticed it before. <laughs> but now she's like, you know, are you they they don't know if you're a good witch or a bad witch. And Dorothy's like, well, witches are old and ugly. And she's like, well, only the bad ones are ugly. So, no, because you're right. Logically speaking, it's canonical that good witches are pretty. Right. And bad witches are ugly. And so she shows up and they're like, eh, could go either way. Exactly. Swipe left, swipe right. I don't really know. Exactly. I'm, I'm on the fence. Exactly. Which... You know, that that tickled me to to the point where I was making that note instead of writing down whatever the next song was. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, I finally I finally found it. The witch shows up um, during Darlin. OK. Which is really weird because like there's a lot of uh, um, and you'll ha- you'll I'm sure you can correct me on the, the specific lyrics if I get them wrong. But there's a point where like the the line is. If you really cared about me, um, and the wit the witch is like literally pointing at Dorothy at that point. Oh. Um, and then like a little bit later on after the the evil witch leaves Wicked Witch, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> after the wicked witch leaves, where then like the good witch the good witch makes some really awkward movements. She sort of caresses Dorothy's head. She kisses her on the forehead. And I'm like, man, even the witches are are looking to get some. I mean, they've lived in Oz their entire lives, and now suddenly this new person drops in. Like, the, I mean, they're probably looking for new blood, right? <laughs> I mean, you live in the same town your whole life. Eventually, you've dated everybody. It's true. And, uh, you know, if, if they can't tell if she's a good witch or a bad witch, you know, that's she's attainable. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I had a note. So one of the repeating lines in Darlin is tell me what to do to make things right. Mm-hmm. And that was the song that was playing, as you said, when Dorothy meets the Wicked Witch and she keeps apologizing for having killed the Wicked Witch of the East and I just thought that was right. I thought that was kind of appropriate because, you know, she's like, I didn't mean to kill her. I'm really sorry at the whole, at the time that the Backstreet Boys are singing. Tell me what to do to make things right. Other than that, I think that was my last note that wasn't just me commenting on random things about the movie that I had forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to tell James real quick. Everybody listening has already heard James, um, right? Yes. Yeah, he already recorded. So he had suggested that we do Millennium because the opening line of Millennium is you are my fire. And he said, wouldn't it be great if that line happened right when the witch (laughs) throws the fireball? And James, I'm sorry to tell you that would be an impossibility because I think Millennium is a longer album 
and we were not even done with this album at the point that that happened. Uh-huh. So there's no way it would have worked. So that made me feel better about my decision to go with self-titled <laughs> instead of Millennium. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of my notes, um, I, I mean, I did not have a ton of notes because, uh, you know, I, I sort of noticed some uh, those ongoing themes. Everybody is just totally into Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did want to bring up, though, uh, fucking uh, Professor Marvel, because that is like the creepiest scene yeah. when it's all like, yeah, let's get some. Re- I'm I'm an old man and I'm singing Backstreet Boys to you. Like, yeah, he's like, come in, come into my wagon. That one. Yep. Like at, at the beginning when she shows up and she's like, he's like, oh, you're running away from home. She's like, yeah, can I come with you? He's like, yeah, kid, get in my van. I got some candy. Uh-huh. And all I have to give is playing during that. All I have to uh, give you is some candy and my dick. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> that's uh, that's the one. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And like there was a line where where they sing, tell me your problems. I'll do my best to kiss them all away as he's taking her into the oh, wagon. I'm like, no. no. No, this no, this is so gross. Don't fucking do it. Oh, I didn't even notice that, but that's bad. Yeah, it's fucking creepy. I have somehow managed to carve this really kind of unfortunate niche for myself in the podcasting world because so James <laughs> does um Blink and You'll Miss It, which is his Blink 182 podcast, and he decided that because the first one, the first uh, episode of that that I guessed it on was the blowjob song because I had a story <laughs> about hearing that song when a girl I worked uh, the girls I worked with and I decided to make a hookup mix and one girl put that song on it because I don't think she understood the uh, nature of the project we were working on but so that was the first episode I was on for Blink and You'll Miss It and then he decided because of that that he was going to start a podcast within a podcast and call it Dirty Blink, where every episode <laughs> that has a really raunchy or inappropriate song, I get to guest on. So between nice. that and having like The Wizard of Oz, but sexy, I feel like I've carved out this weird little corner for myself in the podcasting world, and I don't know if I'm okay with it. <laughs> I feel like I should just own it, but I don't know. I don't know if I yeah, want to be the the dirty songs girl in the podcast world. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, potentially bad. Also, I just like I just had the weirdest thought because, like, you know how a lot of times people will describe like movies as like, oh yeah, it's like um, n- name a movie, but with some actor or you know. I just, I'm like, what would you even label as the wizard? It's like the Wizard of Oz, but sexy. Yeah. It's like the Wizard of Oz, but Ryan Gosling is playing the Scarecrow. Actually, I would watch that. (laughs) Okay. I I, I would Um, super watch that. (laughs) Follow-up question. All right. So, Ryan Gosling, Scarecrow, Tin Man. Ooh. Remember, this is Wizard of Oz, but sexy. Right. Zac Efron. Okay. I want Zac Efron as the Tin Man. I can see that. You know what? Actually, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Cowardly Lion. That one is harder. Who? Because the thing is, you got to find somebody who is comedic, but also sexy. And that's like, we've got Ryan Gosling, we've got Zac Efron. 
I f- Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Ryan Reynolds would be a good pick for the Cowardly Lion. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Nailed it. Yeah, you really. Yeah, you nailed it. Now, who would be Dorothy? Ooh, that's so. That's a tough one. Do you go classic manic pixie dream girl? Because then Zoe Deschanel's like a shoe in. Yeah, like, and she can. She sing. just gets the role by default. Yep. Exactly. But you know, if you want to try for something maybe a little less stereotypical, you know, that's that's tough. My inclination is to say Anna Kendrick, but that's because I want to see Anna Kendrick in all the movies. You know what? You've convinced me because <laughs> Anna Kendrick is like maybe a perfect human being who is also riddled with anxiety. So like she touches me on a deep level of anxiety. Yeah, it would be a weird Dorothy, though. I'm into it, though. I'm in- We've already got Ryan Reynolds as the cowardly yeah. lion. I mean, so. I'm into it, but it would be a very different spin. It would not be like The Wizard of Oz, but like romance novel sexy. It would be like The Wizard of Oz, but dystopian young adult novel sexy. I don't know. Like Anna Kendrick adds a little bit of like it's yeah, it's the anxiety and stuff that you don't get from like your typical sexy story. Exactly. I kind of like it. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm totally into it. So uh, all we need to do is get Anna Kendrick, uh, Ryan Gosling, Zac Efron, and uh, Ryan Reynolds all into this project, and then we're just going to be making all the money. I know, and I kind of want to cast the rest of the movie now. Like, who plays the witches? Who plays the wizard? Hmm. I don't know that we need to do that right now, but that's... that's Definitely think on yeah, that. Yeah, that's where my brain because, is going right now. Yeah. I kind of want like, ooh, ooh, Kate Blanchett as the Wicked Witch of the West and okay. Kate Winslet as Glinda. <laughs> I am into it. This is like, this is as whitewashed as the original Wizard of Oz. And I apologize for that. But it's where my, I mean, these are the people that my brain is pulling up right now. I mean, you know, go go with what you know, I guess. Um, yeah. Also, I just like the, the dueling Kate aspect uh-huh. of the witches yeah all right well i mean that that only leaves one final question of who gets to be the wizard robert downey jr (laughs) that was a that was a quick uh quick decision yep okay but i'm i I think i'm into it i'm i mean i'm i'm open to other you know i'm open to other people but i could see (laughs) him i could see him doing us i mean if we're going for the wizard of oz but sexy and we make Dorothy just enough older for it to not be awkward. I feel like he could be a really good wizard. Like, okay. I mean, I'd get in his van. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this pod- this episode has taken a weird turn. This is definitely the weirdest one I've done to date. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just if it's the album, if it's just the, the eighth episode or if it's just that you have your <laughs> podcast reputation. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think I've just decided to to lean into it. This is just who I am in the podcast world. Um, so one one thing I did want to make sure that I, I mentioned on this episode is that unfortunately, finally, there was a, a an album that does not really work with the tornado scene. I just it, really wasn't into it. Yeah, it doesn't because it's one which I don't remember which song it was, but it was one of the ballady ones. It was, that song happened before I was like, oh, I should be writing down what's happening and not just, hey, I forgot <laughs> about this. <laughs> so I don't remember um, what song it was, but it was one of the early ballady ones. 
Yes. So Anywhere for You starts as Dorothy picks up Toto right at the beginning of the tornado scene. Although... You know, I mean, it wasn't... I'm not going to say that it was terrible. They'd go anywhere, like Oz. (laughs) I'm reaching, but... It's a reach. Um, (laughs) There was also a great, like, background, like, ooh, like as the door flies off, which I thought was really great. But uh, I literally have the note that says, the tornado scene finally doesn't work. Good job, Aaron. You found one. Yay, I broke your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it took eight episodes, um, and I've been kind of building up to this one for a while, where I'm like, oh man, I'm a little nervous about what uh, Backstreet Boys is going to do to this one. But yeah, congratulations, you found the first album that didn't really uh, work with the tornado scene. So, and you know, I'm um, kind of surprised by that, considering that it's not like, like, I know for a fact that everybody before me did not take this seriously, because I know that Mike picked a Weird Al <laughs> album. So, oh, yeah, which I'm really excited for that episode to listen to that one. But like, (laughs) it's not like everybody was looking for things that would actually work. I think he picked that knowing it would be weird. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. He picked Weird Al because like I literally I was shit posting him where I was announcing this project and he was like hmm i might be interested and i was like well the question is which weird al album are you gonna pick and he's like first of all ouch second i'm thinking alapalooza (laughs) um i love it so you know yeah um, and that one worked better than backstreet boys uh for the tornado scene yes interesting i'm not familiar enough with weird al's oeuvre to no specifics. I, I I have a very vivid memory. My only Weird Al uh, uh, story is that I have a very vivid memory of being at the cast party for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was a community theater production I was in around the time that I got this Backstreet Boys album, actually. It was eighth grade. And okay. one of the, the, the kid who played Peter, we were at his house, And he had a bunch of Weird Al CDs and he played me Harvey the Wonder Hamster. (laughs) And that that is my Weird Al story. Like when you say Weird Al, I immediately think Harvey the Wonder Hamster. I feel like everybody has their one friend uh, or acquaintance. I'm whatever. But everybody's got that one person in their young lives who's like, that's the Weird Al fan. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't, it was probably you who was the Weird Al fan. Yep. But I I definitely had one. My friend Travis had a bunch of Weird Al CDs, and I had never heard Weird Al in my life, and I was suddenly inundated with a lot of Weird Al. And, um, you know, I, I feel like everybody sort of had that one person who, like, they had found Weird Al, and that was their thing. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if it was John's thing. I didn't... I, I, I only knew him, like because of this play we didn't go to the same school so we met at the first rehearsal and after the show closed I never saw him again so I don't know if it was his thing but yeah he definitely was like oh you haven't heard Weird Al oh you have to let me play you Weird Al we're gonna start with Harvey the Wonder Hamster and it's my only real memory of him I have a lot of other memories from that show and I know I hung out with him a lot because we were the same age and like all of us like tweens all hung out together. But 
Yeah, that's my only specific Weird Al or John, whatever his last name was, memory. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, like, it's indelibly etched on my brain. <laughs> okay. But, I yeah. mean, he's, he made an impression, if nothing he else. He did. He so. did. He did do that. So, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit bummed out that that my album broke the podcast <laughs> for for the cyclone scene at least. I it feel like had my to, album something have, had to. I feel like it may have totally broken the podcast because we went some weird places tonight. <laughs> um but you know what? I think I think it was all very I mean, other than me googling uh Wizard of Oz but sexy, um, I think everywhere this episode went was just fine. Um, that, however, lives forever in my Google search history. I Googled it, too, and it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I didn't scroll uh, down. Yeah, I well, mean, okay, so I Googled it, and then I clicked Google Images. Uh-huh. I didn't, yep. I didn't like, click all of the, the links on the search. I just went straight to the images. And oh, I mean, you got to go straight to the images. Yeah, I mean, there was some stuff, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been thank god for small blessings i guess i guess i mean i'm probably gonna google it again until i find the thing that's as bad as it could have been and you're gonna get that message from me in about 20 minutes fantastic (laughs) yeah you have that to look forward to (laughs) but yeah so sorry how many more episodes do you have after this one uh just two more okay so um but yeah, I mean, something had to break the tornado scene eventually. That's um, true. And, you know, if nothing else, Backstreet Boys lived up to that that expectation and or fear. And so, you know, they they accomplished what they set out to do, which was uh, ruin my podcast. Y- so. Yeah, pretty much. I have one more question for you, and I know we're mm-hmm. running long. This is not Backstreet Boys related. It's specifically movie related. So it's kind of like... It's kind of just assumed that the whole thing was a dream. Yes. So if it's a dream, we get a bunch of scenes without Dorothy in them, like the witch um, doing the thing with the poppies and Toto running back to the woods to get the others to rescue her. And that just seems weird to me because my like I'm in all of my dreams. My dreams don't have like scenes that I'm not a part of. Sure. Um, I think I mean, my dreams tend to be the same way. Um, I have had the occasional dream where I'm not even like a part of it. Um, so it's definitely That's something true. that can happen. I guess but... I have too. Well, and I guess considering that there are tons of books following this one, or maybe we're supposed to assume it's not a dream? Like well, from the so book is... standpoint. Right. Because I was going to ask, is it is it made explicitly clear in the books that when she goes to Oz, it's just a dream. Because again, know. I've never read that. Yeah, I never read the first one because I was like, well, I've seen the movie. I don't need to read the book. Like I've seen the movie so many times that I don't need to read the book. I'm trying to remember how she gets to Oz in Return to Oz. That was another yeah. one. I don't know if I No, I did read the book. I remember seeing the illustrations of the Wheelers, which were just as scary in illustration as they were <laughs> in the actual movie. But I don't remember how she got to Oz. Huh. That'll be another hmm. Google search that I'll do later. Somebody listening to if, if you keep that section in, somebody listening will Google it and tweet you. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sure <laughs> we will get corrections. Um let's see, was there any any other specific points you wanted to to point out? Um 
I mean, like I said, I just didn't have a ton in this one. Yeah, I felt like the whole end kind of just fell apart. And I don't know if it's because we were listening to the beginning of the album for the third time or if it just Mm -hmm. really didn't work. But I mean, sort of the universal theme I've been finding is that the first like almost regardless of how good the first playthrough is, the second one is always going to be worse. And so when you're already starting out with something where a lot of stuff isn't matching up. Right. You know, the second half gets a lot darker. Um, You're literally killing witches, you know, and they're still singing about like, uh, you know, I'll never break your heart or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It just it does not work quite as well. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a so far it's been almost a universal uh, problem where the second playthrough is just not as good. Yeah, um, we got the first two songs on the album right at the end. We got we've got it going on played for the third time while during the the chunk of time when the wizard flew off without Dorothy and Glinda mm-hmm. came and told her how to get home and she said goodbye to everybody. And then after she got home, quit playing games with my heart started, which I, I felt like that would have been more appropriate when she was saying goodbye to everybody after being like, I want to stay, but I have to go home. But I want to stay because I'm going to miss you. But I need to go home because I miss my family. Right. But yeah, so that didn't really work for me either. Yeah. But I I feel like sort of the the theme throughout this as well was that every song was about 30 seconds too long to work with like scene transitions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were, you know, uh, some some albums I've done. It's just like the song changes as the scene changes. And that by it, that in and of itself is sort of a magical thing almost. Whereas this was like every scene was starting right in the middle of a song or, you know, songs were just changing at the weirdest time. Yeah. So even even that was just sort of a, um, you know, sort of sort of a rough part. Um, But um, that that does lead me into sort of my final question for you. Sure. Is that um, having having done this experiment um, along with me. (laughs) <laughs> of watching the Backstreet Boys self-titled 1997 album synced up to the Wizard of Oz on a scale of playing uh one game with your heart to playing 10 games with your heart where one game is you know this is totally a skippable experience just listen to the album if you like it or 10 games with your heart being like oh yeah this was a ton of fun Everybody should absolutely check out Backstreet Boys and The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Where would you rate this? I'm going to go with five. And my reasoning is, normally I would say, like, kind of going into this, I would have been like, I don't know, like a one or a two. Like, I'm glad I did it because it was fun to sit and chat with you. But honestly, most people can probably skip this. But now that I've got, like, all these Wizard of Oz but sexy headcanons... (laughs) I'm finding it to be much more worth the time that I've invested in this experiment. Um, I don't know that everybody would feel that way, but like this conversation that we've had took me from a one or a two up to like a seven or an eight. So I'm going to kind of split the difference and say four or five for most people. Okay. I mean, it depends. Do you want the Wizard of Oz but sexy? Because if you do, (laughs) then do this if you don't then don't and also stay away from google 
Yeah, because that's going to be in my Google search history for all time now. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to say probably about a three, mostly because starting with the second playthrough, which uh, so the, the first repeat happens at Lions um, and Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Right. Um, and so everything after that was just sort of like, OK, album's still going. Not a whole lot really synced up. I, I mean, I will give it that extra point. Uh, yeah, I'll bring it up to a four. I'll give it an extra point for actually really working with If I Were King of the Forest. Uh-huh. Because before this album, um, I've only ever seen it kind of sort of work. This was actually really good. Well, good. But I will give it. Uh, I will give it points mostly because if you take that headcanon of, first of all, Dorothy is in her early 20s and not 16. I can't stress that enough. (laughs) Where it's just literally she shows up in Oz and it's this beautiful, colorful place. And literally everybody she's talking to, the dudes, the ladies, the munchkins, literally everyone is like. The lion. Sup, baby. How's it going? Like everybody yep you've got the tin man's like come hither eyes mm-hmm. like you know you've you've got like even the fact that even the witches are into this like that kind of fills me with joy and so going along with that sort of headcanon is amazing yep but you can totally i, I think personally you can totally stop once the album make uh, finishes its first playthrough yeah because at that point you're not really uh missing a whole lot um if you want to actually check out a good um if i were king of the forest that starts at the line where um the dude wearing like the fuzzy hat and all of that uh is like the witch's dorothy and then so just start anywhere for you right then and that's a pretty good play. Uh, that's a pretty good If I Were King of the Forest. Otherwise, everything beyond the second playthrough is pretty skippable. Agreed. And so, I'm, you know, I think that warrants a four. You get some good stuff in it. You know, if, if you really just take it as this bizarre uh, romantic comedy or, you know, something like that. Like, there's, there's some joy to be had. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of stuff really synced up with it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it kind of depends what you're going into it for. If folks want to find out more about you or uh, your podcast, Unabashedly Obsessed, uh, where can they find more information on uh, on you and uh, check out some of your other stuff? Uh, well, you can find us at unabashedlyobsessed.com is probably the first place to start. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at unabashedly Aaron. Our podcast is at UFO podcast, where you decide what the F stands for. Uh, We sit down every week and we talk about our latest obsessions in pop and not so pop culture. So if that sounds up your alley, you can give us a listen. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher and all the other places that podcasts live. Yeah. And you can also check out James's other podcast is Blink and You'll Miss It. You can look for any of the ones that are about... (laughs) <laughs> blowjobs fucking dogs fucking grandpas <laughs> that one hasn't aired yet but basically if it's got fuck in the title i'm probably there so 
fantastic. Solidifying That's that, my uh, brand. <laughs> yep. You know, some some people spend their entire lives trying to find their brand. You, my friend, have finally found it. I have. I got it handed to me by James, but by God, I'm going to own it. <laughs> fantastic. Well, um, thanks again for coming along with me on this weird experiment and uh, providing maybe the weirdest album so far that I have checked this out too. So um, it was a lot of fun. Thanks again for coming on and, and talking a lot about uh, The Wizard of Oz and The Backstreet Boys. And, you know, it, it was it was a weird one. We got kind of all over the place on yeah. this, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you for having me and for letting me subject you to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a reason I say subject in my intro. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know I made fun of you for that at the beginning. But no, I completely recognize that this may have been your idea, but this was my fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fine. It was a ton of fun anyways. So. Yeah. Thanks again. And uh, if you liked Aaron as a guest, check uh, definitely check out Unabashedly Obsessed. And uh, until next time, I will see you on the other side of the rainbow. This has been Any Album You Like. I'm your host, Ben Mooney. If you would like to contact me about this or any other episode of the podcast, you can email me at anyalbumyoulike at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at anyalbum. If you liked this episode, consider leaving a review for it on iTunes. If you'd like to support me further, you can also buy me a coffee. The link for that is in the episode notes or you can go directly to ko-fi.com slash benmooney. That's B-E-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y. 